That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hey folks, today's show is brought to you in part by The After Party. Every Friday, Kimberly Johnson and I record a fourth podcast each week. But this one is different from the usual Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday shows. The Friday After Party podcast is loaded with all the politics you want, while also including uncensored, completely obscene conversations about sex, drugs, movies, television, and our personal lives, all the stuff we can't get away with on the free show. And it's generating all kinds of comments and conversation on our Patreon page at bobseskashow.com. Don't miss out. Please help support this show by subscribing to our Friday After Party podcast for just $10 a month. That's bobseskashow.com or just click the all caps Patreon link beneath the logo at bobseska.com and now let the cartoons begin broadcasting from resistance headquarters relentlessly fighting back against the clown dictator and his regime of deplorables never give up never surrender this is the bob seska show presented by bubblegenius.com From our nation's capital, it is Wednesday, October 21, 2020, and this is the interview edition of the Bob Seska Show on the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. You know, one of the frustrating realities of doing a regular interview show is that guests can sometimes bail out at the last minute. Well, today, I not only lost my original guest, but I also lost my backup guest, too. So we're going to travel back in time for an encore of my chat with William D. Cohen, a contributor to Vanity Fair, The Atlantic, The New York Times, and the author of the bombshell report titled, There is Definitely Hanky Panky Going On, The Fantastically Profitable Mystery of the Trump Chaos Trades. The question of the hour, was Donald Trump manipulating the stock market and profiting off his own manipulations? Well, let's find out with a great William D. Cohan. By way of setting up how I got into this story initially, I've been following this story for uh, the better part of two years now, uh, just on my own, observing what's going on. I first noticed this trend in uh, 2018, whenever there was a gigantic one-day sell-off. It was almost always connected to one of Trump's blurts about the trade war. Then I went back and noticed how the various indexes were climbing steadily all throughout 2017. But then as soon as Donald Trump declared the trade war on or around January 22nd, 2018, the volatility began and these enormous one-day losses that we were experiencing. It turns out eight of the top 10 largest one-day point losses off the Dow occurred in 2018 and 2019. In fact, the top five biggest one-day losses of all time were from the last two years. And this is what sparked my suspicions about these potential chaos trades. What convinced you that it was worth looking into all this? Uh, how did your part in all of this get started? Well, I, I don't know that, uh, quote-unquote, I have a part in all of this other than, uh, you know, I, uh, as you 
probably know. I had worked as a banker uh, on Wall Street for close to 20 years, an M&A banker, and been writing about Wall Street and uh, and other things for the last 15 years mm-hmm. as a full-time writer. And so you just uh, develop sources, and people call you and talk to you and share with you their thoughts and ideas. And so uh, earlier uh, this summer, uh, uh, I started hearing from uh, people who uh, trade uh, these uh, e-minis, uh, a new product that the Chicago Mercantile Exchange developed that are tied to the S&P futures. Yeah. Uh, and uh, they just started sharing with me this uh, thought that something didn't look right, sort of what you were seeing. They were mm-hmm. seeing, you know, that the Trump's ability to move the markets was, of course, uh, well known uh, by then. And, of course, he loves to talk about uh, how it's the greatest market ever and he's responsible for it. And uh, <laughs> they just started noticing these uh, trades that seemed to be tied to his pronouncements. And they were uh, people, you know, which is fine. People can make bets and trades all the time, and they do, but uh, they seem to be quite prescient. Uh, and the outcomes always seem to be positive, whether they were on the long side or the short side. So. Uh, I first wrote about this uh, in you know early July uh, in Vanity Fair, and uh, I think everybody must have been at the beach uh, because <laughs> there wasn't wasn't much of a response. Um, and so then I thought, all right, well he he, he kept going on throughout uh, August and then early September, you know, and to the point where when Trump was in Biarritz for the G7, he yeah. basically spoke about. Uh, conversations he theoretically had with Chinese officials about the status of the trade negotiations, which turned out to be some more of his fiction, yeah. uh, which the White House had to agree to. And so then I wrote this piece as sort of a follow-up to the first piece. And for some reason, everybody was at the beach the first time, and <laughs> this time everybody was back from the beach, apparently. And it became it became, uh, you know, a cause celeb. So I, I, from my perspective, I was just being reportorial. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I can't explain why the first one, uh, you know, flatlined and the second one didn't. Mm-hmm. In fact, one of the chaos trades you describe in your piece is based on uh, a Trump lie. You were mentioning the G7. I mean, right. G7. in fact, George, George Conway, Kellyanne's husband, said point blank that this was a market yeah. manipulation by the president. I mean, does... Does Trump or his goons have to be taking advantage of these manipulations for them to be illegal or even, uh, dare I say, impeachable? Well, look, I'm I'm not a, a securities lawyer. Uh, yeah. uh, I didn't even play one on TV. Uh, <laughs> I, I was an M&A banker. But, uh, you know, I know for a long time, obviously, Congress was exempt from insider trading laws. I think that's been rectified uh, in the last few years. Yeah. Remember, there are no explicit laws regarding insider trading. It's more case law that judges create by their rulings, uh, uh, and the insider trading laws seem to apply, if I have this right, only to the equity markets, which, frankly, I've never really understood, Mm -hmm. uh, because the bond market is four to five times the size of the equity market. There's every bit uh, uh, and more uh, opportunity for sort of manipulation and the using of inside information to make money in the bond market uh, as there is in the stock market. And the same thing uh, uh, applies in the futures market uh, yeah. with, with trading these E-minis. So uh, uh, this is something that I felt, and that's why I wrote this, that uh, this is something that the regulator should look at. 
uh, you would think that that would be uh, uh, something that they would want to do and take seriously uh, doing. Instead, you know, I've gotten this, you know, colossal pushback on how dare I point this out, that this might be going on. Not that I, you know, was certain it was going on, just that I believe uh, the people I spoke to uh, believe this was going on, and there was evidence that the trades took place. Uh, and this is what regulators should be doing, or what regulators in the era, uh, non-Trump uh, era, should be doing. But now, you know, you just don't know whether Jay Clayton, who's the head of the SEC, even though he had a fine reputation before he became SEC chairman, uh, whether he takes this kind of thing seriously, uh, or it's just, you know, was told by Trump just to lay off, or any of the other regulators whose job it is to look at these things yeah. are going to just like ignore what's going on here. Yeah, I think there were two uh, equal and opposite reactions to your piece. On one hand, you had the, the Slate article, and I want to get to that in just a second. But then on the other hand, you had this letter that was, uh, I think, signed by 17 different Democratic senators right. and uh, and sent down to uh, DOJ, SEC, and the other regulatory bodies. I mean, what was your... Yeah. Uh, what was your reaction when that came down, when that news came down, that you had actually gone from uh, a piece in July where everyone was at the beach and no one read it? And then suddenly you, you published this piece. And as you said, it, it kind of exploded, including this particular letter. I mean, I, my thought was uh, this is exactly what the regulators of the securities business should be doing. Uh-huh. Uh, so I was glad that uh, uh, the senators uh, found it worthy enough to recommend that the regulators do their job. Now, what are they doing? I have no idea. Whether they, will they find anything? I mean, part of me hopes and prays they find nothing because that would be worse. I mean, it, it, you know, it would be much worse for all of us oh, if yeah. they were found to be trades that were connected to either Donald Trump's uh, "Quote unquote goons," as you uh, described them, uh, uh, and in his statements, obviously he's quite happy to make these statements that he knows will move the markets, and then talk about uh, moving the markets. And it would not surprise me one bit if the people around him or him himself were taking advantage of doing that. Oh yeah, yeah. And in fact, my default position is to perpetually hope that I'm wrong about Donald Trump. I mean, literally about everything. It would be so much no. better if, if I was I wrong uh, in everything I'm observing and uh, interpreting in terms of what comes down from the White House. But you know, if I were Trump... But you rarely are wrong, and none of us are uh, rarely wrong. I know. It's a, it's a double-edged sword. But you know, if I were Trump, and I routinely engaged in unethical, I mean, in plain sight, unethical and illegal activity. I, of course, and I try to do this. I try to put myself into Donald Trump's worm-ridden head and try to figure out how he's seeing all of this based on what I know about him. You know, I'd be inclined to take advantage of the fact that I could so easily move the markets with my tweets. I mean, my hunch is either he's personally profiting through straw investors or he's tipping off friends. I mean, are you willing to take that extra step in terms of interpreting how he might be actually engaging in uh, in these trades or who what the connection to the actual trades happens to be? I mean, are you kind of looking into that? Well, uh, I, w- I will say this, that the people I speak to, uh, who, spoke, who I spoke to about all of this, they certainly uh, take that extra step. Mm-hmm. And believe that uh, you know uh, either Trump is uh, uh, speaking, you know, saying that. I mean, this is total speculation on their part, but 
you know, hey, President Xi, uh, look at the way I'm able to move these markets. Uh, you know, you're the only other guy or you and your people are the only others who know really what's going on. And by the way, you can't possibly, I, I, I beg you to articulate for me what Donald Trump is trying to accomplish with these trade negotiations. <laughs> I have no idea. Nobody <laughs> knows. Yeah, that's a big right? mystery. And nobody yeah. can articulate it. Uh-huh. Uh, I have no idea what success means in these trade negotiations. All I know is that he likes to say they're on, they're off, they're on, they're off, and the markets move as a result. Yes. I, uh, these, these people, I think, uh, absolutely believe that he's getting President Xi in on the act. He might be getting Erdogan in on the act. He might be certainly the, the, the Mnuchins and the Wilbur Rosses uh, and the Larry Kudlows and, you know, his a uh, son-in-law, uh, uh, Jared Kushner, they're all sort of part of this, uh, uh, they believe. I, I don't know what to believe. Uh, mm-hmm. certainly wouldn't uh, surprise me. I mean, this is a guy who says he can go down Fifth Avenue and shoot somebody and get away with it. So, right. Uh, right. Uh, uh, you know, all this talk about how he's lost all this money uh, being uh, president of the United States and it's hurt him. I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah. try for me, Argentina. I, I, I wouldn't be... Nothing that the guy does, as you said, uh, can surprise us anymore. Yep. I mean, and, um, you know, we just have to sort of make it through either the next year or the next uh, five years. And, you know, one of the things they try to do, Bill, is um, I-, I try to be my own red team. I try to constantly disprove the things that are rattling through my head about Donald Trump. And along those lines, do you think it's fair uh, for analysts or even myself, any of us, to to link those massive one-day sell-offs to Trump's blurts about tariffs or uh, China or the trade war or all of the above? I mean, is that a fair conclusion to draw? Well, look, I think, first of all, uh, when the markets go up, mm-hmm. uh, Donald Trump is more than happy to take credit for, for them going up yeah. because of something better did. Uh, when the markets go down, uh, uh, you're right, they seem to be uh, uh, related or happening around the same time that he said something about the trade talks, uh, you know, either being uh, being off uh, or, or some other market-moving event. You know, I also gave the example of the supposedly the Iranian attack on the Saudi oil fields. Uh, look, the truth is nobody really knows uh, why markets move up or down. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's it's you know billions of people all over the world making judgments uh, literally every second of every day about all sorts of uh, inputs and factors. Uh, uh, what is clear to me in my uh, time on Wall Street and then studying and writing about Wall Street is that. Uh, you know, uh, things start happening where the lines of fear and greed uh, cross, and uh, that's where, you know, the markets can take these unbelievable uh, swings yeah. uh, when, you know, it's a confidence game, and you saw what happened 11 years ago when people totally lost confidence. Uh, you know, I don't think we're there yet, but, uh, you know, nobody rings a bell at the top of the market. I've written hmm. lots of pieces in the New York Times op-ed about how I think, how fragile I believe this this financial infrastructure that we have. And again, the Fed just lowered interest rates just now, again, for the third time this year. I think that's a huge mistake, and I think it's going to precipitate uh, a big market correction uh, and a financial crisis of some sort. But, you know, and Trump plays a role in this, absolutely. Yeah. But, you know, 
uh, both. You know, we don't forget, he said he was going to eliminate the national debt. Instead, it's $23 trillion and counting. The budget deficits are a trillion and counting. Yeah. Uh, uh, interest rates, he's jawboning them down to levels where they should not be. Manufacturing's it, it, in recession right now, yeah. Right. I mean, so, uh, uh, you know, I think Trump is uh, playing this uh, all for, uh, I think he's personally playing some of these tradings uh in his statements that he knows will move the market for his personal gain. Yeah. Uh, I have no way of proving that, but that's where the regulators, I think, can, can help out. Uh, he's certainly jawboning Jerome Powell at the Fed to try to uh, keep uh, the economy uh, pumped up and revved up as best as he can, despite the third quarter GDP number coming in below expectations. Oh, yeah. He's trying to pump up the economy you know, for the next year so that he can be reelected, because he, he knows one thing, which is right. That, that it is about the economy, stupid. And if the economy is basically doing well, uh, then, uh, you know, his chances of re-election, despite being arguably the worst president in our, in our lifetimes or in the history of the country, he can probably get uh, re-elected. Uh, uh, I think the irony is, I think, that by jawboning the Fed into lowering interest rates for the third time this year when it is absolutely unnecessary to do so, I think he's hastening the next financial crisis yeah. uh, and i think it's going to happen before next uh before a year from now and if that's the case then he will have ironically blown up his own chances of getting reelected because of his of his choosing to do this and you know given the precarious nature of everything it seems like it's immensely damaging to have basically the steward of the economy generating these uh, massive short positions. I mean, that's the first thing that I was thinking of when I first started to see the volatility, that someone is making a mint off of short selling. If they know what Trump is uh, going to say, if they have prior information about a Trump blurt and they take out a short position, one of these giant short, in fact, you described one uh, connected to uh, the Saudi oil fields story. Right. Uh, it seems to me as if that's perpetuating the damage that's driving things further down because um, I'll let you describe, describe the potential damage from a, a massive series of short sales linked to uh, either the S&P or the Dow or NASDAQ, any of the markets. How does that drag down not only the value of the stocks involved, but the actual overall value of the markets? Well, look, I think it's important to, to say to, you, to your listeners, and I'm sure they understand this, that mm. you know, short selling uh, and taking contrary bets, short bets, i.e. betting the market or a stock will fall, is an essential part of how the market works. For yeah. every buyer, there's a seller. For every seller, there's a buyer. That is an essential part of the way the market works. But if you're on the other side of these trades, right, if you took the long side of the short on the E-minis, you know, the, the day of the Iranians, if they did uh, do this, uh, blew up the Saudi oil fields, and you knew that uh, uh, oil prices would spike and that would drive down the market, if you were on the other side of that trade and somebody had this information uh, that you didn't have, I'd be, I'd be apoplectic, yeah. frankly. I mean, you know, it, it cost me millions of dollars or my institution or somebody, whoever is on the other side of these trades. And if, so if, if Donald Trump is sharing his, uh, this information about 
how things are going with the, with the, with the uh, Chinese trade negotiations or what might be going on in the Middle East or any of the things that he knows by now move the markets. He's not an idiot. Yeah. Uh, he's been doing this for a long time. Uh, uh, you know, and if you know that information and somebody on the other side of the trade doesn't, I would be apoplectic. That is not fair markets. That is yeah. not a sh- fair sharing of information, and there's supposedly regulations in place to prevent that, certainly in the stock market, but there should be also regulations and, and enforcement in place in the bond market and in the futures market to make sure those things don't happen. Okay, we'll get back to our encore conversation with William D. Cohan. But first, there's never been a more important time to have a supply of reliable respirator face masks. From increasing group events to school reopenings to the approaching fall flu season, wearing a face mask is the first line of defense against getting sick. Well, the director of the CDC testified under oath before Congress that wearing a face mask was more important than getting a vaccine when it comes to reducing the spread of COVID in our country. Only respirator face masks provide medical-grade protection and only FDA-authorized respirator masks provide the quality required. The NewDealShop.com has FDA-authorized respirator face masks ready to ship now, and every pouch comes with verifiable anti-fraud labeling so you know they work. Trust the masks medical professionals are using. Go to TheNewDealShop.com and get FDA-authorized U.S.-tested respirator masks now with free immediate shipping for my listeners. Bulk pricing is available so you can get the masks you need affordably and quickly. Go to TheNewDealShop.com now and get FDA-authorized respirator masks. Keep yourself and keep your family safer and healthier this fall. That's TheNewDealShop.com. And with so many changes going on in the world nowadays, it feels like every day there's something new. But there's one thing that you can count on. It's that looking good makes you feel kind of good, too. And we could all use a little bit of that these days. If you have under-eye bags, dark circles, or crow's feet, imagine that they're gone without making an appointment or leaving the house. We're talking about Plexiderm here. It's a clinically studied serum that visibly reduces signs of aging in 10 minutes and lasts up to 10 hours. You've seen the before and after photos on TV and social media. Well, today you can try a six-day application trial pack for just $14.95 with free shipping when you visit buyplx.com voices or call 1-800-685-1292 and give the code VOICES. Order today. Shipping is free, and it's back with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Make those wrinkles, lines, and under-eye bags disappear with Plexiderm. Visit buyplx.com voices or call 800-685-1292 and say the code VOICES at checkout. Thank you. The Bob Seska Show. Describe one of these trades from your Vanity Fair piece that generated, in one case, like a profit of, uh, what was it, $1.8 billion in a single single uh, purchase of e-minis. Describe that, uh, how that all came down, that that particular trade, that big one, the gigantic well, the one. There were 420,000 yeah. e-minis that traded, uh, you know, in for the market closed uh, one, you know, the same June uh, day that uh, Trump was negotiating with President Xi, uh, you know, in Japan, I believe, uh, you know, about the trade negotiations. Yeah. And if you sort of work the hours between Chicago and and Tokyo, you get, uh, you know, clear indication it's, or, or an indication or a coincidental indication, I don't know, certainly something fishy uh, that it looks like from uh, people who I, I talked to, that somebody knew uh, what Trump might be saying about those negotiations mm-hmm. uh, uh, as they were happening uh, and made a big bet and profited from that when he comes out of the meeting with Xi and says, you know, oh, now, hey, guys, everything, you know, guess what? The roller coaster of the trade negotiations is, is back on again, and the market goes up. I mean, yeah. uh, 
you don't have to be a rocket scientist if you're a traitor to see that Trump's commentary, uh, whether he's sharing it in advance or not, are, are, is capable of moving the markets in a way that no other president is delighted in as much as Trump has. Yeah. He, he views this as a, as a litmus test of his presidency, how the market does, and his ability to move markets delights him, which was what was so ironic yeah. about you know, him getting caught out in Biarritz uh, for the G7 in August, where he kind of made up his conversations with these uh, Chinese leaders, and the markets react, and people make money off that. Yep. If not him, I mean, or his people in his circle. That, that, that's all that I thought was worth reporting on. I mean, and when I reported on it in July, you know, nobody noticed, and for some reason when I reported on it, uh, you know, in October, everybody uh, focused on it. Yeah. Why one and not the other? I have no idea. Uh, you know, I don't like to be obviously the focus of um, stories in my reporting. I'm just trying to be reportorial, and I'm glad that the senators and two congressmen thought it was worthy of having uh, these agencies whose job it is to investigate things to investigate them. And as we started this conversation, I'd be thrilled if there was nothing to this, because yeah. that's much better than if there is something to this. But mm -hmm. my gut tells me there is something to this. Well, along those lines, let's talk about this Slate piece by uh, by Felix Salmon. Uh, do you think the criticism of your article was fair? I mean, did Felix... Uh, Felix was pretty harsh. I mean, the headline itself essentially says your entire piece is bullshit. I mean, what was your reaction to that uh, attempted takedown? Well, I know Felix. I've been on TV with Felix. Felix likes to be a contrarian. Yeah. Uh, and take the opposite sides of pretty much any argument or any article that anybody else uh, writes <laughs> does. Uh, right. So this is par for the course. I completely disagree with it. Uh, and you know, and it wasn't just Felix. It was Bloomberg also uh, sort of came attacking. And um, uh, you know, my my view and one of the Bloomberg columnists came attacking. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I don't understand why one journalist would attack another journalist for just being reportorial. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, 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 it's not like I'm personally asserting these things. I'm just being reportorial, which is what journalists are supposed to do. That's right. I don't know why, and they don't know the answer about whether these trades are, are uh, were totally legitimate, like they claim, and that the total the story was quote unquote bullshit and should be taken down. And why I don't understand why one journalist would do that to another when you're just being reportorial and just trying to get uh, shine a light on what may be happening or not. As I said, and you said, I'd be thrilled if there was nothing to this, but I fear there might be something to this, which is why uh, I felt it was worth reporting. And, and it wasn't me. Like, I wasn't making these trades. I wasn't watching these tapes. I was talking to people who were making these trades yeah. and watching uh, this timing. And so that my job is to be repertorial, just like it is on the previous thousand stories I've written. I can't explain why this one, you know, got the got the the daggers out, other than maybe Felix wants clicks on his piece, so he you know takes down some tries to take down somebody else. I mean, I don't he, understand it. Even from a basic human level, why anyone would give Donald Trump the benefit of the doubt at this point, <laughs> given his yeah, entire why does track record? Yeah, Felix want to be giving Donald Trump the benefit of the doubt on this? Yeah. Exactly. Uh, I'm, 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 you know, who knows? Yeah. Well, I you mean, know, Bloomberg. Maybe they have, uh, you know, they have a a product to protect that uh, is it is tremendously linked to the proper functioning and confidence people have in the capital markets. Maybe that's why they had to discredit me. And I used to be a Bloomberg columnist. Yeah. Uh, one of the first Bloomberg columnists. I was uh, 
a reporter for uh, I wrote a lot of stuff for Bloomberg Business Week and was an on-air person at Bloomberg uh, TV for many years. Mm-hmm. So not sure why they felt the need to come after me. Yeah. Um, so hey, well, look, whatever you know, you're in the arena. You, you know, you yeah. you know, one story everybody's asleep on the other one. They wake up uh, for. I can't explain either one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought I thought. Uh, people should have made more attention in July. I think people overreacted to the story in October, and yeah, there you have it. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I am guilty among those. I wrote a thousand words for Salon, pegged right off of your yeah. uh, your most recent you one. Uh, but yeah. you know, I, I noticed something too in the process of putting together my own analysis of what was going on. Um, I noticed something that Slate ignored, which was Trump's own history of green mailing, along with his dad, Fred Trump. I mean, this is detailed in that massive New York Times piece about Trump's various financial scams. I mean, can you describe what green mailing is and why it's not difficult to make a jump from that to what we're observing with Trump now? I mean, I mean, green green mailing is a practice that. I think takes a lot more subtle forms than it used to take, but, but, yeah. you know, a corporate raider used to, uh, buy a position in a company and then, uh, uh, essentially to make them go away to, 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 uh, cause, cause their sable rattling to stop, uh, corporations, uh, thought it would be better to sort of buy them out of their position at a profit. Yeah. Uh, sort of, so instead of blackmailing, it became green mailing. I think the same thing happens today, frankly, with activist investors. Uh, you know, uh, I don't ascribe any bad motivations to, to you know, I say Elliott Management in their fight with AT&T, but, I mean, uh, you know, there's an example where they took a big position of, like, three $3.2 billion and uh, then rattled the cage at AT&T with a very thoughtful presentation and now you know a month later we're talking about settlement the stock goes up and you know they've obviously made a profit they still own their stock they haven't sold it back to AT&T at a profit so it's a little subtler thing but you know there are a number of activist investors uh, uh, less so these days than maybe in the previous five years who you know would take positions in companies uh, and then talk their own book on CNBC or Bloomberg. And, you know, while they were talking their own book, the stock would go up. I mean, what a great position to be in if you're Carl Icahn or Bill Ackman or, or, or uh, you know, any, a few others who can get on TV, Dan Loeb, uh, David Einhorn, and talk your book and get, uh, get, get your positions to either go up or go down as a result of talking about that. I mean, that's a license to print money. That also should be frankly, uh, uh, not legal. That should be something that there are regulations and laws against. But, so, so that's, wait, you know, wait a minute, wait a minute. That is, uh, green mailing is legal. Is that what you're saying? No, I'm not saying, no, I don't think, I mean, look, I'm not a lawyer. It's green mailing, green mailing has been legal. I, I know maybe it has been outlawed at this point in terms of a, you know, a, a, an Asher Edelman, uh, you know, uh, holding up a company in the uh-huh. 1980s. Uh, and having the company buy back their stock at a profit to go away. Yeah. Uh, again, I, I don't know whether that's legal. It should be illegal. Uh, I don't know whether that is illegal anymore. I think I'm saying nowadays it's much more subtle, right? Yeah. So what happens nowadays is these so-called activist inve- in, uh, investors who used to be corporate raiders, they, mm-hmm. they, they, their name and their nomenclature evolved from being corporate raiders like Carl Icahn uh, and and uh, Asher Edelman to being quote unquote activist investors like Carl Icahn yeah. and Bill Ackman and David Einhorn and Dan Loeb 
okay, uh, and Elliott Management. Okay, so what these guys have done, and they're big, they are powerful, they control a lot of money, they also can, uh, have great access to the media, or, or they did until in the last year or so, they, you know, people sort of soured and become a little bored of them. Mm-hmm. But the idea being that they take these positions, and then they go on TV, and they they are able to, you know, go to these a Sone conference or whatever it is, make their pitch, uh, get a lot of media attention. I mean, CNBC would just like open up the the pipes for Bill Ackman during his Sone uh, presentations about Valiant or, or his short position on Herbalife, and basically that moves the market in a favorable direction for the, for their benefit. Yep. And uh, uh, you know, frankly, I don't think that's right. I've written New York Times columns about that, especially like with Bill Ackman and Allergan. You can read about it, as mm-hmm. they say. Yeah. Uh, I don't think that's right. That should not be legal, but nobody's looking into that. I, I mean, the SEC has completely abdicated their responsibility, their regulatory responsibility and role in the last decade. I mean, it's yeah. just appalling. Yeah, and in fact, I assumed it was illegal because, I mean, I first heard of green mailing from Wall Street. Uh, Gordon Gecko in Wall Street is a green mailer. In fact, Terrence Stamp refers to Gecko as a two-bit pirate and a green mailer. Uh, also, the Rupert well, Murdoch. based on reality of yeah. Carl Icahn and Asher That's Edelman right. and these quote-unquote corporate raiders of the 80s. Yeah, and in fact, Rupert Murdoch also engages in green mailing. Uh, have we ever had a president, Bill, uh, who embraced his ability to manipulate the markets like this? I mean, have we heard of this before? Is there any kind of precedent whatsoever uh, in terms of this story? Look, I don't, I don't, I guess what, no, no surprise. I mean, he's, mm-hmm. I believe Trump is the first president not to divest himself of his businesses, yeah. right? So he refused to do that. So That's therefore, right. he's still in the mar- in the business of making as much money as he possibly can. I don't think he counted on the 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 uh, people shunning his brand. Uh, I mean, I saw that was obvious, but of course, I don't think he thought that. And we never had a president who, you know, uh, uh, enjoyed uh, manipulating the markets as George Conway said more than this guy. He loves it. He yeah. loves it. Yep. This is his passion. Uh, he loves people paying attention to him and his tweets and reacting to his tweets and driving the markets up and down. He loves that, and that is pure market manipulation, pure and simple, whether mm. he is benefiting personally from that. I have no idea uh, if he is uh, or whether we'll ever be able to find out. My guess is we will never be able My guess is he is, but we'll never be able to find out, and no one will ever stand up. I mean, I can't imagine a uh, Donald Trump appointee at the SEC or the CFTC ever standing up and saying uh, this is what is actually going on, uh, or at the FBI, you know, as much as he's probably they they probably feel aggrieved at the FBI yeah. by all of what Donald Trump has said about them. I don't feel like there's a chance that uh, they're going to step up either. I'm sure it's. I mean, as somebody tweeted the other day, we're never going to know the extent of the full extent of all the manipulation that Donald Trump has perpetrated. Maybe, yeah. you know, uh, once all the records become public in 50 or 100 years, we might know. But I think he, he, this is, I mean, this is bigger than, I think, this is obviously, I think, a much bigger uh, 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 scandaling uh, than than even with Nixon. And I grew up with Nixon, uh, certainly more than Teapot Dome. I mean, more than anything that I can... Uh, uh, recall either in my lifetime, certainly, and even in any of the history of of America that I have read. I mean, this guy has got it all, and 
and apparently he does it all with impunity. Yeah. So, I mean, what we really need is a whistleblower. So, someone to come, we need a whistleblower to step forward. Uh, I think it seems to me as if the only way to connect some of these dots is to get the direct information in terms of basically follow the money. It's, it's essentially a follow the money. Well, if story. I were on the other side of these trades, yeah. And, and I, uh, you know, and people had actually had information that I didn't have, and they benefited, and I lost. I would be uh, going to the SEC or the CFTC uh, and blowing the whistle and letting them know. I'd be ripped. Yeah. But yeah. Well, you know, I took a look at uh, Trump's financial disclosures to see if I could find anything in there. I'm not quite savvy enough to understand. Uh, well, first of all, I, I should say. I pretty much assume the financial disclosures are bullshit too. I'm a, <laughs> just start from that position that he's lying on his financial disclosures. Oh, I, I I've looked at those financial disclosures yeah. and they are not the whole. That is not the whole picture, not even close. Yeah. And even what's there is completely opaque. And uh, I mean, I've dug into it. I mean, there's a lot that he does not disclose. No. And if, Get away with that. What doesn't he get away with? Yeah. He's gotten away with everything. <laughs> yes, he has. It's just a bunch of ETFs and mutual funds. Is that what you saw? I could. I, I, there wasn't really and anything. And he had some stock positions through Deutsche Bank. I mean, you know, I think, fr- frankly, you know, we're going to have to wait and, and see. David Enrich, the finance editor at the New York Times, a great reporter and writer, has a book coming out on Trump and Deutsche Bank in mm. February. So maybe wow. that'll be revelatory and we'll learn We'll learn more. Uh, you know, I've written, I wrote a big article in The Atlantic in January of 2000 or the end of 2013, I guess, before Trump was a, uh, a candidate uh, for, uh, you know, even thought about being a candidate uh, about why Wall Street doesn't do business with him and why Wall Street shuns him. And, uh, you know, the only firm that did business with him and still does is Deutsche Bank. And the question is, is why and I and I've always wanted to know why and I always wished I could follow the money. I always wished I had subpoena power to follow the money. Uh, but you do, without subpoena power, journalists can't can't do it. That's right. And you know, neither of us are activists, Bill. But um, what would you consider the best way to uh, elevate the visibility of this story, especially given how financial services happens to be one of the House committees tasked with looking into impeachment articles? Well, I mean. Uh, I think the senators have asked for an investigation. Two House people have asked for an investigation. Uh, I mean, I think, I mean, I, I fear that it'll just go into the black hole of the news cycle, and yeah. they've asked for it, but will no, nothing will ever come of it. Uh, and I, I think that's why people are saying we'll never know the full extent of uh, the corruption, the level of corruption that Donald Trump is uh, and his people have been up to. Uh, I. I just feel like we're never going to know, and the best we can hope for uh, is either uh, he you know, steps down before ne- next November or he uh, gets uh, resoundingly defeated at the, uh, at the ballot uh, box a year from now. And, you know, if he doesn't, then, you know, shame on us, woe to us. And, yeah. you, know, if, you know, you can call me a libtard or whatever you want to do <laughs> to insult me. Uh, I don't care. I welcome your insults. Uh, but, you know, objectively speaking, you know, he is a disaster mm-hmm. uh, for our country, uh, and he's he's destroyed our reputation around the world. And the incredible thing is he's utterly Orwellian about it, where he, you know, uh, down is up, black is white, yep. uh, uh, you know, bad is good, good is bad. He 
you know, he has an uncanny uh, ability to uh, uh, believe his own bullshit and just try to convince the the rest of us of it. And you know, fortunately, 60% of the population is wise to it, and another 40% uh, isn't. But you know, uh, we gave you know the American people gave us Donald Trump. Uh, he, he is. You know, he is he's reflective of us at this mm-hmm. particular moment, and that's the saddest thing of all, but yeah. that's the way it is. You know, I feel like a, a bit like Charlton Heston and Soylent Green screaming about this particular yeah, exactly. story. Is this is this yeah. something that you're going to continue to pursue? I mean, are you still chasing it down, and is Vanity Fair on board? Is Are, are you finding that editors are, you know, basically embracing what you have to say about this? I think uh, there's likely to be more. Uh, uh, I think uh, uh, both something that, that I mean I've certainly been alerted to other instances uh, whether uh, you know Vanity Fair is going to be interested in publishing more on this uh, remains to be seen I think you know the bar has gotten higher now because uh, 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 there's you know just uh, a whole uh, group of new people who are focused on this mm-hmm. uh, I think there's more. I think there's other instances. I don't think this is the only one. Uh, but, you know, we're going to have to work that much harder to get even more detail and more instances and have other people come forward to, you know, talk about it. It would be nice if some of the people on the other side of some of these trades who've lost money yeah. would come forward and seek me out. They're certainly welcome to do that. Uh, no, I think, uh, obviously, uh, after the July piece, uh uh, n- nobody anticipated the kind of reaction that we got from the October piece. And, uh, you know, I think on the one hand, uh, uh, media organizations like the attention. On the other hand, they uh, they don't like to be in the spotlight. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think, you know, Vanity Fair isn't, uh, uh, you know, necessarily thrilled about, uh, you know, they don't break news per se. Uh, they're more, you know, right narrative, uh, entertaining stories that also have news in them. But, uh, you know, I don't think they are uh, a news organization the way, you know, maybe the New York Times is a news organization that, that uh, you know, said, okay, you know, keep following this, keep right. going. You know, I think they're, you know, interested, but uh, we'll have to see how uh, enthusiastic they are about future stories. Yeah, and it's hard it, with the fire hose of news coming from the White House. It's really yeah. difficult to get something to resonate, but I hope this really does because it not only well, is is a, a, a crime. It's I mean, it's something that Donald Trump is doing that is absolutely 1,000% hinky, but it's also affecting businesses. It's affecting the markets. It's affecting other people's money. And as the steward of the economy, as I was saying before, if he's doing this, we're not talking about victimless crimes here. We're talking about there are victims in all of this, and uh, I hope it actually gets uh, uh, fully chased down. I hope we're not waiting decades to find out what happened here. I sincerely hope you're right. <laughs> right. But I've lost a lot of confidence in our institution's mm-hmm. uh, ability to, and, and, and you know, even before Donald Trump, uh, honestly, I been outspoken and critical of the way I thought the 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 the, the uh, Southern District of New York handled uh, the investigations into wrongdoing on Wall Street yeah. uh, that caused the financial crisis, mm-hmm. uh, you know, 11, 12 years ago. And uh, you know, I think you know Preet Bharara, who now we mythologize as this 
you know, a, mar- a martyr, former U.S. attorney uh, in the Southern District of New York, he was quite disappointing in his unwillingness to uh, investigate and prosecute wrongdoing on Wall Street leading up to the financial crisis of 2008. So, mm. um, you know, I think a lot of our institutions have let us down. Well, so. So, some of them, some of them have done okay uh, given the okay, circumstances, yeah. but uh, yeah, right. certainly not well enough. That's for sure. Right. Uh, yeah. I, I really hope you continue working on this story, and I'm uh, I'm grateful for, <laughs> despite the fact that few people read the July piece. I'm well, glad that people it, finally looked at the October one yeah. because right. uh, again, I, I don't want to seem like a conspiracy theorist. I don't want to feel like a uh, I'm the only one wearing a tinfoil hat and all this, but you know, God damn it, it's obvious. It's so goddamn obvious what's going on here. So thank you for pursuing it. Appreciate it. Thank you for writing what you wrote, and thank you for having me on. And with a little luck, maybe we'll talk again because something significant will have come out of all of this. Oh uh, yeah, I'm not letting go. So <laughs> we'll definitely Good. talk again, Bill. Thank you so much okay. for your time today. Take, Take care. Bye bye. Okay. With so many changes going on in the world nowadays, it feels like every day there's something new. But there's one thing that you can count on. It's that looking good often makes you feel really good, too. And we could all use just a little bit more of that. If you have under-eye bags, dark circles, or crow's feet, imagine that those things are gone, vanished, without making an appointment with a plastic surgeon or leaving the house. It's called Plexiderm, a clinically studied serum that visibly reduces the signs of aging in just 10 minutes and lasts up to 10 hours. Add some confidence in your life, knowing you look your best, even if you're having a makeup-free day. Plexiderm goes on clear, so nobody's going to know that you're using it unless you tell them, and that's why guys like it too. And Plexiderm works great with oil-free makeup. Today, you can try a six-day application trial pack for just $14.95 with free shipping when you visit www.buyplx.com voices or call 800-685-1292 and give the code Voices. Order today. Shipping is free and it's backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Make those wrinkles, lines, and under-eye bags disappear with Plexiderm. Visit buyplx.com slash voices or call 800-685-1292 and say the code voices at checkout. Thank you. Save on Cox Internet when you add Cox Mobile and get fiber-powered internet at home and unbeatable 5G reliability on the go. So whether you're playing a game at home Yes, cool Or attending one live You can do more without spending more Learn how to save at cox.com slash internet Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial cable Cox Mobile runs on the network with unbeatable 5G reliability As measured by Ookla LLC in the US to H2023 Results may vary, not an endorsement, other restrictions apply